This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Over the past several days, we have been covering the fallout from the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade, what it means for us here in Illinois and around the country in states where abortion is now illegal. And we've been asking you for your reaction to the ruling and what comes next. Here's what a few of you had to say. I'm really concerned that the individuals making these policies don't have the background, the education, and dare I say the empathy to really understand what they're asking for. If we agree we must build a culture of life, some things will appear that we can work on together. What really furiates me about this whole thing is you have essentially a group of men making a decision that's affecting a woman's health. Would this affect contraception or would this affect uh, people who are actually trying to get pregnant? Why would you need to overturn a decision that saves so many precious lives? Will miscarriages be treated as suspicious and possibly prosecutable? Well, where's the concern of the Supreme Court for the kids that are getting killed in school? I think we should do an old-fashioned civil rights boycott. Hold America hostage, especially in the states with blanket abortion, women's choice bans. We will get our rights back and then we go to the polls. We've also been talking with people who have chosen to end their pregnancies. I was prepared for it. You know, I was willing to go through with it. The best decision for me was going to get an abortion, just like free from political interference. I never told anybody, which I probably should have come out to sooner. Today, we'll hear two more stories. With us to share her experience is Candace Chu Kang. Hi, Candace. Hi, how are you? Doing good, and thank you so much for, for making the time. I understand you're joining us all the way from Ghana right now. Uh, yeah, I came here for work. <laughs> let's let's talk about your story here just a bit. Uh, I understand that you discovered you were pregnant back in 2016. Tell me about the day that you found out. I actually found out the night before I had to go to a work trip. So it was a little extra jarring because I had to wake up in a few hours and fly out to Pittsburgh for work. But I had found out because I noticed that things were tasting different and I was feeling I guess just generally kind of weird for Mm -hmm. a lack of a better explanation so I took a test and I found out and my partner at the time just reacted by saying oh I'm glad my stuff works which um, was not the response I really wanted (laughs) yeah Um, I bet yeah he wasn't terribly supportive so. so how far along were you at that point I was about three to four weeks, so still pretty early. So did you have anyone else other than this person to help you process what was going on? Yeah, actually, I've had a number of friends who have also had abortions. What else was going on in your life at that point? Uh, Did you have a job? I did have a job. I just become a full-time employee though so I didn't have insurance and I didn't have birth control so that's kind of what led me into the situation that I had was access to birth control. So I want to dive more into your choice right what was it that you would say ultimately led you to decide I'm going to have an abortion? I didn't want to be with my partner I knew that and I knew that I couldn't afford to be a single mom by any means, because at the time, I think I was making maybe like $13 an hour or something 
not that I could support myself and a child. Also, in my family, a lot of women who've had problems with pregnancy generally, physically, like my sister had a lot of complications with her second child. And one of my cousins, her pelvis had actually broken while she was giving birth. Yeah, I can see how that could could really scare you. Yeah. So when you found out that you were pregnant, Candice, were you just immediately looking at all your options? I was definitely shocked. <laughs> I was shocked and scared because, yeah, I had to travel for work. So then I wasn't in my usual support network, for one. And then I had to go to this manufacturing facility each day. And like the days were very hard and physically jarring. So I had to deal with that. And then right after that, I was going to go visit my sister in Seattle. So then I knew I couldn't get an abortion right away either. So that had scared me as well. So talk to us about your process. Where did you go to get the abortion? I went to Family Planning Associates in Chicago. Honestly, I just did a Google search simply for where to go. The staff there were really kind and I didn't feel judged at all. I also was able to get an IUD at the same time. So they helped try to find birth control for me as well because I had explained the situation. So you're a month pregnant at the time. What was the actual procedure like and what type of abortion was it? I had a DNC, so a dilation curatage. I actually went fully under for it, so I don't remember any of it. And they were able to put in my IUD at the same time. Do you remember after? What's your first memory once you woke up? I was very groggy, and I think my partner at the time had left, actually, and didn't wait for me because he wanted to go to work or something like that. I mean, he eventually came back and picked me up, but I remember being upset about that. So you woke up and no one was there? Yeah. Essentially? Uh-huh, correct. How did that feel? It definitely felt lonely because I had wanted a friend to actually come with, but then my partner at the time said he didn't want to be inviting people like it was a party or something like that. So this whole time, I mean, none of this was about like me or what I needed to feel supported and cared for and safe, really. I wonder how you felt about your decision at that point. I mean, did that reassure you that you were making the right choice for yourself? (laughs) Yes, definitely. I mean, you're in a job, as you said, where you're making $13 an hour. How burdensome was the cost? Because you were worried about that at one point. It was a lot. I'm trying to remember now. I think I actually ended up paying for the whole thing myself. I had to use savings for it, for sure. Use savings for it, for sure. So if you're you're looking back now, Candace, at your younger self, um, what would you say to her? I would tell her to actually go with her friends instead of her partner to the clinic and to rely on them instead of the partner at the time. Yeah. Is there anything you wish you had known back then that you know now that you wish someone had told you? I think at the time I had felt some guilt, which I think is pretty common. But I think maybe knowing that afterwards I wasn't going to feel guilty that I feel reassured. Actually, how you said, kind of immediately reassured that I had made the right decision by seeing how my partner reacted to the situation. So I would probably, you know, try to relieve myself of some of that initial guilt. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, And jumping forward in time, it's 2022 and we're on the heels of Roe being overturned. So the process for many women in this country won't be anything like yours, right? Some will literally have no access to abortion. Correct. Abortions are still going to happen. They're just going to be less safe for women and people who need abortions. Any advice for those women who may be listening right now in the same position you were in, Candice? Maybe they're three, four, five weeks pregnant right now and and 
trying to face a very difficult choice? I would say not to give up hope. I mean, there are a lot of organizations. I'm with the Party for Socialism and Liberation, and we're trying to organize people in the streets to fight back against this. And that's how Roe was really won initially was through a militant mass movement. And then also, additionally, there are a number of orgs trying to organize traveling and caravans to places where abortion access is protected. And there are also a lot of calls for Biden himself to step in in the many ways he can to really protect the access to abortion. He could call for a public health emergency and declare it. He could open abortion clinics in federal buildings. There are a number of things that can still be done, even though uh, Roe v. Wade has been overturned. Well, before I let you go, Candice, talk to us about your life now. How has having had the abortion affected where you are today? I actually was led into becoming, I guess, an activist as a result. I mentioned I organized earlier as a result of having an abortion. I also became a public health researcher as a result. And that's actually why I'm in Ghana now. So I wouldn't be able to travel and have all these experiences and contribute to the field of public health. Really, you know, I helped open like a COVID testing center in Maywood, Illinois at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, I think about things like that where I wouldn't have been able to contribute to the community in the ways I have been. You're doing great work, Candice. Thank you so much for for taking the time to talk with us and to share such a, a deeply personal story. Thank you so much. So we just heard the story of a woman who became an activist after having an abortion. Now we'll hear from someone who's been an abortion advocate since she was a teenager, But that didn't exactly prepare her to have her own abortion later in her 20s. Joining us is Becky Carroll. Welcome, Becky. Thank you for having me. So you've been an activist with NARAL, which is also known as Pro-Choice America, since you were 16. Is that right? Well, I mean, I have been an active pro-choice advocate since I was 16 here in Chicago doing what they call clinic defense during two of my summer breaks from high school. And later on, through my activism and work in politics, I eventually became a member of the NARAL board for 10 years. Oh, wow. So tell us more about your your involvement in the movement. How did it progress from there? Sure. You know, choice was an issue that really drew me, among others, into politics, which became my career and continues to be my career. I I think it's it's one of the many injustices that you know that you see. Not all of us, but but many of us, you know, want to try to do something to to fix it and address it. And I've always felt, of course, that reproductive rights are human rights, and um, they're constantly under attack, even when they're quote unquote protected. And I think as a young person going to Lane Tech High School in the late 80s, amid lots of other injustices that we were faced with, from apartheid to attacks on gay rights, Mm -hmm. um, this was something that spoke to me very personally. And I raised my hand when I had an opportunity to participate at doing clinic defense. And um, I've always supported pro-choice candidates, worked for pro-choice candidates. I've worked for organizations like Personal PAC here in Illinois. And after my work as 
national director of women for Obama in 08, I was asked to join the NARAL board, and I was excited and happy to do so. I see. And you mentioned clinic defense. What is that specifically? So clinic defense is where volunteers like myself get trained in helping to aid women in entering abortion clinics and healthcare clinics across the country. Many times, uh, these clinics are attended by anti-choice activists who attempt to prevent women or convince them from going in to seek the health care that they need. And in doing so, we try to help shield these women as they're walking into these clinics and make sure that they feel safe going in and exiting. And it's surprising how much (laughs) it's needed, even in places where Chicago, where clearly um, we are one of the most pro-choice cities and states in the nation, but these anti-choice activists will show up and do show up anywhere. So it's, it's with our job to help these women get in and out of these facilities. Yeah, and and I hear you have some specific encounters that you can remember pretty vividly from the late 80s, right, with with protests. How how intense did it get? Um, Well, I was 16, and I was working Saturday morning outside of a clinic on Washington Street in downtown Chicago, and I was there just doing my job, helping to uh, get a woman inside the facility. One of the anti-choice activists became very aggressive. I had a board, and I I inserted myself with my board in between this woman and the activist, uh, which the activist did not like, and he knocked me down, but he did so right in front of a Chicago police officer who immediately arrested him and took him off the site. And I mean, that's par for the course. And in many cases, it can get more violent like that, sadly. Yeah. But that's, we're out there to help do right. our, our part. Definitely regardless. tense situations. Uh, so I want to switch gears then and talk now about your abortion experience. Tell me about when you first found out that you were pregnant and what all was going through your mind at the time. Sure. Um, I was... 25 years old. I was what I'd say just at the start of my career after working on a couple of political campaigns and I was finally getting my bearings. And I was uh, in a long-term relationship with my partner. And I think in my situation was very similar to most others where our condom broke. And within two or three weeks, I knew something was off, and I had feared, of course, that I would become pregnant. And, in fact, I did. I went to Planned Parenthood facility downtown, took a test. They came back, told me I was pregnant. I knew immediately that I was not prepared or ready mentally, emotionally, financially, or in any way to carry that to term. And um, I made an appointment soon after to get an abortion. Mm. What was that like, that process, making the, the appointment? Was it easy to do? You know, it was easy in the sense that, I mean, I knew my decision right away. But, and even though I had worked for, for years with this community, I still had, you know, a, a, my own fears about having to go into a clinic and get one. And 
I don't know where that came from, but um, I didn't have any money. <laughs> you know, at the time, I, I like I said, I was just starting out in my career, and the only option I really had out of my own pocket was to go to a clinic. And I, I, can, you know, confided in my uncle about my situation, and he was kind enough to give me the money so that I could go to a private facility mm-hmm. um, and a private doctor's office, and. I did so, and um, it, you know, I mean, it was honestly a procedure that was like any other that um, I've had to get since then, going to the doctor and mm-hmm. getting some kind of procedure done. Um, it it was, you know, the minute that um, it was over, I felt honestly a sense of elation and relief because I had been severely nauseous and sick. I was unable to concentrate at work. I was just unable to concentrate on my life in general because mm-hmm. this cloud was hovering, you know, over me. And once it was over, um, I guess that, that sense of elation and relief came and I got on with my life. How much did all of that cost you? The abortion um, and the, the two separate appointments? Yeah. So the first appointment Planned Parenthood was free, thank goodness. And that's what they, you know, were there for. Um, But when I went to the private doctor office, and this was in 1995, it cost me $1,200. And, you know, even though my uncle was willing to give me the money, I mean, he didn't really even have the money. He had to dip into his savings, but, you know, he wanted to support me. And I was so grateful at the time. And most women do not have that option. And even going to a Red Cross clinic, it's a perfectly fine, entirely safe procedure for mm-hmm. me personally. I, my own, you know, mental sake, I, I needed to go to a private facility and I was extraordinarily lucky to do so. Yeah. You talk about how I just moved on with my life, right? After it was done. Were there emotional effects that lingered beyond that day of terminating your pregnancy? No, no I... Never. It, it, for me, it was a very easy decision. And I know that's not the case with all women. Um, for me, it was. And because I knew that I was not ready. I was not at a point in my life where that was an option for me. And many years later, I did decide to get pregnant. And I did that on my own terms when I was ready financially, when I was ready at a point in my life to do that, when I was in you know, a committed relationship. And I'm very fortunate now to have two children who I love and adore. And, but at that point in my life, it just was not a time that, that I could, I could do that. And I don't know what my life would have been like if I had ended up making that choice, but Mm -hmm. I know it was the right one for me. Yeah. Well, you talked earlier about just, you know, the initial moment, finding out that you were pregnant, the, the emotions at the time, just, being scared and and also being sure that this was not the time for it. What do you say to folks listening to us right now who may be going through the exact same thing? Yeah, I think that, you know, again, for me, it was, it was just frankly a terrifying experience because I wasn't ready. And I think for anyone you have to have that conversation with yourself. It's your own choice whether you decide to, you know, terminate 
or not. And you need to determine and think about what's in your best interest, short-term, long-term. It's about you, your body, and it's your decision and not anyone else's. It's not a parent. It's not a significant other. It's not a relative. It's yours. And it's, it's up to you to decide what is going to be in your best interest and to, to not be afraid and to know that whatever decision you make at the end of the day, it's the right one for you. You're an activist. You're fighting for abortion rights literally every day. So I, I need to know what hope you're holding on to right now. I am. Um, I don't think I've ever more in my my life or especially my political career felt more at fear because I, I think stripping away basic rights of women to access reproductive rights is is part of the dismantling of our democracy, honestly. And this is why the work that the pro-choice community is doing and leaders like we have here in Illinois and elsewhere is perhaps more important than ever before. And I think for those who don't wake up every day having to worry about whether or not they're going to get pregnant or have someone in their life who, you know, is at that stage where they might find themselves one way or the other, we have to understand that it is something that affects us, men, women, whoever. It affects everybody because when they start to take away basic rights like that, they start to chip away at others. And that is why there is a lot of potential here to really start to, to break away at the foundation of this democracy. And we we must be concerned and take action about this before before we see it take hold in other ways. Becky Carroll is an abortion advocate. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Becky. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.